Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to or welcome back to Passing Dimes. Hopefully, if you're joining us for the first time, you're going to be over the moon about today's guest. I'm excited that I, you know, I started a podcast so I get to talk to people like this. So today's guest is, was a former Windsor Lancer. He's represented Canada three times at Youth World Championships. Uh, his best result is a 17th. He's represented Canada at over 22 international events. He's an OVA provincial champion. He's won the U.S. High Performance Tournament. He's a two-time silver medalist at the Van Open, and he's a two-time silver medalist at Clivers. I'm sure we'll get into it when he's finally going to win one of those BC gold medals. But please welcome to today's show, Gabe Berlacu. Gabe, thanks for doing this, man. Josh, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to, to get a chance to, to chat and to share some experiences and some, and some stories with with the podcast so yeah we haven't caught up in a while and I, i'm sorry we have to do it on the air for you and i to talk but i mean it's a good excuse and now everybody gets to hear our banter and catch up with each other so i'm pretty excited no it, dude, it, it, it's great especially right now obviously we're we're um in the middle of covid and, and everything else that's going on in the world so i woke up today and i was like wow i've i have something to actually look forward to it's not just <laughs> wake up and go to the gym i actually have something to do or to plan for it to like look forward to it. it's great well as an ontario guy i'm pretty jealous that ubc guys are if you're not outside already you're probably going to be moving outside shortly and it's it's march so i am pretty envious of oh, that no. but, uh, <laughs> sorry sorry to break it to you man we're already outside right we had a practice yesterday um oh, we had a practice last week too um it's 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 pretty crazy here man sometimes it's like eight degrees here in vancouver and if it's not raining and it's eight degrees and you have like the right equipment, you can have a full practice outside. It's, it's, it's amazing. You can, you can truly play year round volleyball outdoors here. That's, that's awesome. And we'll get to your Vancouver adventures here in a bit. We'll, we'll start off with the timeline just in case any of the listeners don't know your story. We'll, we'll take it from the top here. So I'll try not to glance over anything because you and I have known each other for a lot of years, but let's, let's settle this right from the start. Young guy growing up, multi-sport athlete from everything I've heard and read about top tier soccer player, what made you fall in love with volleyball and choose that as your post-secondary sport? Because I believe when we get to it, you had the option to pursue both at a pretty good level. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, this is, uh, this is true. Um, you know, so I was actually born in Romania and lived there for seven and a half years. So for anybody that doesn't know, I immigrated to Canada in May of 2001. So, you know, growing up in the 90s in Europe, a big part of my, you know, a big part of my life was was uh, soccer. Uh, so that's kind of what I grew up playing. And, and um, mom was actually a volleyball player. Uh, when she was in university in, in Romania and dad was a professional handball player and, and 
played soccer his entire life. So, uh, athletic genes were, you know, in the family. Uh, so when I, when I came to Canada, I, I did start playing soccer, uh, right away. And the difference in levels was, was very obvious. Like European soccer for me was, was, was far more advanced back there. And then when I came here, it was, the level was a little bit lower. So believe it or not, actually, the reason that I did start uh, focusing more on volleyball was just due to quick success, I guess. When I started playing in my first year of club volleyball, um, which was in 16U, I played for a club called Riverside Rage. Um, I really enjoyed volleyball. And my coach at the time was Sean Lippert. And that might be a name that hasn't been in the volleyball world in a long time. But Sean was Sean was a very unique uh, person for a volleyball for, for, uh, for the volleyball world. And he was in charge of Region Three volleyball. So I don't remember the year. Gosh, it must have been what twenty ten. We had an Ontario Summer Games in Sudbury. I don't know if you can confirm that, but I, I think that's what it was. I think you're right. That's that so- does sound right. I was there. Yeah. Yeah, so so I made that team. Unexpectedly I made that team. And I was like, wow, okay, this is this is cool. Like I, I like this. Why did I make this team? I I don't know what I'm doing, really. Like all of a sudden I'm on a team with with Tim Warnholtz and and Kyle Richards and Cole Jordan, like kids who have been playing volleyball since they were eight and just like absolute units, you know. Um, and then I noticed, I was like, okay, well, maybe I've got a little confidence, a little swagger going on here. Like maybe I could keep playing, keep doing a little bit more. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how it happened. And then at the same time, I did continue to play soccer and it came to a point where the Windsor league was quite competitive and I played on a, you know, I played on a pretty good team. I would say we had a lot of success, uh, but the problem was that we had a couple of like really big rivalries and and a couple of like really big fights. Let's say on the field, which is kind of funny to say because a soccer fight is probably like somebody tapping somebody on the cheek and that person falling over. But like <laughs> these are pretty legit. I'm I'm ta- I'm telling you, like. One of our fights, like I had a jersey that was like ripped off of me and like half, like I had a huge scratch across my neck from like how badly this shirt was torn off of me. And man, people were like, people were like fighting, parents running onto the field. It was pretty, it was pretty crazy. And I think once that moment happened, my, my dad, my dad, cause he, he actually had a pretty bad leg injury that cost him his uh, handball career. And so I think from that moment on, he was just kind of worried about me. He didn't want me to have the same experience that he did with these injuries. And he was like, I can't, I'm not letting you play soccer anymore. I'm not letting you play soccer anymore. It's not safe. It's not safe. Like, we got to figure out how you can continue to be an athlete. And, and mom was like, oh, great. You're going to play volleyball. Like I played volleyball when I was in university. And she's always like, ah, oh, what the heck? All you care about is soccer anyways. And so, you know, dad convincing me to, play volleyball, play volleyball, play volleyball. It's safer. It's safer. It's safer. I think that kind of pushed me a little bit more to pursue, to pursue the sport. So it's a little bit more than just a short story, but no, that's super interesting. Cause like I said, I've known you for years and I never knew that side of it. And it's interesting to hear your progression. And then 
with you talking about Ontario Summer Games, I mean, I love a good name drop. Hopefully our listeners do too. You mentioned guys on your own team, but that year in general, like was a really good year for boys volleyball. Like I think he would have played against like Reed May and Danny Dominico and Steve Marr and even like region six would have had Bruno Lorde and I think Phil Goyer. Like I think your team was good, but then being across the net from some other guys who would go on to play volleyball for a living or for the national team, right? Like did that help you click in that you could be at the highest level of volleyball? You know, at the time, I think I was just so new to the sport that I still didn't quite understand. But it was only until like two years down the road and kind of when when I got into my first season of playing beach volleyball, which I'm sure we'll get on uh, get on about later in this episode. But it was only a couple years down the road that I realized, oh, my God, like because, man, like you said, that region five team, if you look, uh, I wish we had it up on on on. Uh, on screen or something but if you look at their roster i would not hesitate to say that maybe 50 or 60 percent of that roster has played or could have played professional volleyball and just and just chose not to like it was the entire crush team it was the entire storm team sergey grabowski was on that team sergey who i actually played beach volleyball with um and was a really good friend of mine or is a really good friend of mine. Sorry. It's not like we don't like each other or anything. Uh, that team was, was loaded. And, and, and again, even as you said, region six, also like the, uh, Bruno Lordy's and the, and the Phil's and, uh, who was, uh, they also had a really good talented middle. If you remember his name, shoot, I'm not going to, but team, like played on the same team as Bruno in club and, Anyways, sorry, I don't remember your name if you listen to the podcast, but you know who you know who you are. <laughs> um, we actually played them in the semifinals of that tournament, Josh, as with Region 3. Uh, we were we were down 14-10 with serve. So we were actually down 14-9, sided over 14-10 in the third. Uh, region 5, so Danny, Steve Marr, uh, Reed May, all those guys, Sergey, they're all waiting for us to, to for our game to happen. So down 14-9, we won 16-14 against against Region Six. Oof. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And then just to to kind of fast forward there, you mentioned Sean Lippert. I didn't realize you had him in club. Is that with a connection that when you chose to start looking at universities, like Windsor was just going to feel right? Because I believe when you entered, he was the head coach of the Windsor Lancers, right? He was the head coach uh, of the Lancers in my first year. So um, he's actually kind of the one who who started getting me to love volleyball. He he was kind of the first one that was like, okay, Gabe, like, you know, I know this much about volleyball, but like, I know that you can be successful. I know that you have what it takes to play at the OUA level. I'm an OUA coach. I don't know more than that. Or, you know, obviously he did, but he said, you can, you can be good. You can play on a good team. You can do this. You can do that. So let's do it. And, you know, he just kept, kept being in my ear, kept being in my ear. Hey, I'm coaching, you know, I'm coaching the summer games. You should try out like yada, yada, yada. One thing led to another. And, and again, he's, he's the reason that I kind of started believing in myself and started believing in volleyball. 
That's awesome. Awesome to hear. And help me out with the timeline. Did you start playing beach when you entered university or did you start playing beach when you were like 17, you 18, you, where did that uh, entry into beach volleyball start for you? Okay. So interesting. Good, good question. Good question. So I actually played volleyball in 18U. That was my first ever time playing beach volleyball. I played with my first ever beach volleyball partner, Avery Speller, who played uh, for the Chatham Kent Ballhawks at some point, but then played for my club as well. He loved vo- he loved beach volleyball. He's the one that got me, you know, asked me to be his partner. And I, I believe we played four tournaments plus provincials. Um, in 18 years, nobody knew us, Josh, nobody knew us. Nobody knew who the heck I was, except a couple of, a couple of people that I knew from, uh, from club volleyball and nobody knew who Avery was. And so we would show up at these tournaments and we, we were like super strategic with what tournaments we would, we would go to because our goal at the end of the year was like, okay, we want to play in provincials and in tier one. So like we would like wait and pick out which tournaments we would go to. We would do satellite tournaments to like get points. Um, but we were like careful about which ones we would go to. We would go to the ones that like we knew the best players weren't going to. So we wouldn't like lose or anything like that. Cause we wanted to play a lot of games to get some more experience. Cause we trained by ourselves for an, for, for, I want to say two months, twice a week, we would train in Windsor, uh, by ourselves. So that's just kind of how it happened. So, uh, I did play in 18U. So that was the summer going into first year. So that was when I first played beach volleyball. Nice. And then being at a school like Windsor, did that help you connect with guys who played beach uh, a little bit longer or like had bigger aspirations? Because obviously Jake McNeil was a Windsor guy, Greg Simone. Uh, Blaze kind of, as soon as he got into indoor, he kind of faded away from the beach thing, but he played a lot growing up. I'm just trying to think like, and then obviously with James Gravel being on the coaching staff and eventually taking the head role, he's a big supporter of beach. So when did it start to yeah. click? Like you, you mentioned you're on tour and you want to be a tier one provincial guy, but when did this beach, uh, for Canada really start to become a goal and, and something that was realistic for you? Well, this is a good, this is a funny story, but so, uh, in my first year, uh, Greg Simone tease. So same person, uh, I can't call him Greg. It just, it just doesn't feel right. It feels <laughs> weird. So cheese, cheese comes into practice. And he's, you know, he's kind of sad, whatever. He's a little bit mopey. And we're like, Cheese, what's up, buddy? Because, like, oh, gosh, he was just a favorite. He, everybody loved Cheese at, at Windsor. Not just on our team. Like, just everybody. Cheese was the best. And so we're like, Cheese, buddy, what's wrong? Like, what, what's going on? He goes, oh, guys, you know, like, there's this world championships trials for beach volleyball. And, like, I don't have a partner. And I really want to go. And... I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I needed to like be on team Ontario and I want to get carded and all this stuff. Cause cheese had previously been on, on team Ontario beach volleyball. Uh, he played with Will Hoey the, the, the year prior. But then I think what happened was Will teamed up with Liam Cobb. And so I was like, Oh man, like that really sucks. Like I'll play with you. And he just kind of laughed. He goes, oh. no, no, no. I'm, I'm looking to win. I, I, I want to go to, there's a world championship in Croatia. Like, I was like, oh, I mean, at the time, I only said I'd play with him to, like, try and cheer him up because, I, I don't know, I think we were on the road playing, like, uh, what was it, Toronto and, and McMaster maybe. So I was like, crap, like, we need cheese if we want to win these games. 
And I was like, all right, I'll play with you. And I decided, he was like, oh, no, no, you know, thanks for trying to cheer me up. So next week comes around the corner. Still sad, still sad. I'm like, geez, what's wrong? He goes, oh, guys, like, I just can't. Nobody wants to play with me. It's like, I can't, like, everybody who I'm asking to play has already partnered up with someone for these tournaments. And, you know, like, there's going to be some really good teams there. And I was like, man, like, not really good at beach volleyball tees, but I'll play with you. So, you know, let me know. He's like, no, no, Gabe, I need someone with experience. I'm like, Sounds good, man. So I think, like, a week before the actual World Championships trials, I get a text or a call from Cheese, and he's like, hey, we're going to we're going to Toronto. I was like, what the heck's this guy talking about? We're going to Toronto. We're at home this weekend. Like, we're, we're playing Guelph and Waterloo, like, in Windsor or something. He goes, no, no, no. Like, I'm playing with you for these trials. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? He goes, that beach tournament. We're doing it. And I was like, oh, my God. We're going to Toronto? You didn't tell me that we had to go to Toronto. I was like, oh, I know I didn't get to Toronto. He's like, oh, you know, we Dad's going to pick us up. We're going to go to Toronto. We signed up. We're going to play. Like, this is how much it costs, blah, blah, blah. If we win, we get to go to Croatia. And I was like, if we win? What the heck? Greg, I've, I played four beach tournaments in my life before this. All I can do is roll roll high line from the right side. I, I can't hit on the beach. I'm just, I'm just the middle who you put in sand. I can't do anything. And he goes, oh, no, it's okay. We're, we're, we're just going to go. So we go and and first game of the first game of U twenty one Worlds trials uh, against Grant and Aaron. So as soon as Greg saw the draw, he just laughed. I was like, "What are you laughing at, man?" Oh, we're playing against Grant and Aaron. I was like, "Sweet, who the heck are these guys?" <laughs> I love it. <laughs> she goes, "Well, they won a silver medal at, uh, or they won a bronze medal." last year at the U21 World Championships. I was like, what the heck? Why would you tell me that? So these guys are going to smoke us. And he just kind of laughed and didn't say anything. And of course, you know, I don't know, 15-minute game, if that. Like 21-7, 21-8, maybe. Smoked us. And then I was like, Greg, what the heck? You brought me over here just so I can get smoked all week? And then I called my dad. And I told dad, I was like, dad, these guys were doing crazy things. I, they were like jump serving and they were like running back sets and setting the ball over on two and running trick. I don't know what, I don't know. I don't belong here. And my dad just kind of goes to me and goes, well, you went to Toronto. Are you just going to accept the fact that you're going to just lose and waste your time all weekend? Or are you going to figure yourself out? And are you just going to win? And I was like, Jesus. I don't know what I'm doing. I was like, okay, well, I got to go. I guess we're playing again or refereeing or something. Dad, they don't even have refs here. <laughs> so we ended up winning uh, our next two games. Couldn't tell you who was in our pool. Quarterfinals comes around, and we're playing against Jake McNeil and Andrew Richards. And those guys had previously won two national championships in a row. They were going to the Youth Olympics, like one of the best young teams um, in Ontario or Canada actually at that time. And I, again, could, man, I couldn't tell you all. I, all I remember doing that tournament is just roll shotting line. Cause that's all I knew how to do. And we somehow won in three semifinals comes around and we're playing against Lucas Coleman and Blake Shearhorn. 
And again, we won, we won 15, 13 and I got served every single ball unless they accidentally served Greg, sorry, cheese, every single ball. And I think for like 80% of my shots, I just rolled high line. And there was one point where it was 14, 13. We were the only game playing middle court of Downsview and Lucas Coleman just unleashes this unbelievable cross court hammer. And I don't know what possessed Greg to go and dig this ball, but he dug it straight up to the back of the court. And when I saw that ball, I was like, oh my God, like we can win. He dug that ball. And I remember running to that ball to go set it. And Grant and Aaron were both just laughing and smirking. They're like, oh my God, Cheese, you can win. Cheese has a chance to win the game. So I set the ball up and Cheese just, he must have closed his eyes and swung as hard as he could because he just swung at this ball at a system, bump set from the back of the court, tragic set. And he just hammered it into the seam and we won. And people in the stand, like people in, in watching the game couldn't believe it. And so we, we, we won, made it to the finals and we lost, you know, 16 and 14 or something along those lines to Grant and Aaron. And from that point on, I just fell in love with the sport. And I was like, this is great. I can't believe this just happened. And we got lucky enough to be can too. And, and we went to the qualifier and we, we qualified into the, the tournament via lucky loser. And that's when, uh, we won. We my first, first ever international win. We, we won a game in the first round of the qualifier against Sweden. And then in the second round of the qualifier in Croatia, we played against Alison and Guto who actually ended up beating Grant and Aaron in the finals that year. Uh, so Guto, uh, Guto's a very, very good player, uh, still plays on tour. And Alisson uh, is not Alisson, the Olympic champion, uh, but he's still a very good player. And he plays on the Brazilian tour a lot right now. So after that experience, I was like, okay, great. And I guess Greg was like, wow, what the heck just happened? We can play together all the time now. I'm like, uh, okay. As long as we don't lose 21-5 and 21-6 anymore, sure. Yeah, I'm just looking at the list here in Croatia. I'd, I'd be curious what your first impressions were because you're right. You you get that win and then you play Gudo who medals at the tournament. And then also in your pool were uh, Kuziak Rudel who would have medaled. They finished third that year. And then you played a very young Brill who's like a stud on the world tour right now, right? So not only oh, yeah. are you thrown oh, yeah. into like what the, the world tour is because you're at a youth world and it's this big international event, but you're playing against guys who would later go on to play at like the major series level very consistently. So what, what did you think of the level and how like big of an event it is to go to a world championship? Oh man, that summer was, was insane. So I know you're looking at the U 21 uh, championships right now, but what, what, you know, some people might not know is, Two weeks prior to that, Greg and I competed at the U23 Worlds Trials, or World Championships, sorry, World Championships, where we also got into the tournament with a lucky loser. So U23 was two weeks before that. We played Kissling and Gerson from Switzerland. We're now, still on Gerson tour. Still play- yeah. Yeah. Gerson plays on tour. He's Switzerland one right now, if I'm not mistaken. And that was my first ever international game. Uh, didn't win any tournament, any games that tournament. 
but Kisling and Gerson at the time just finished with a silver medal the year prior to that in Halifax at another youth world championship. So we lost to them, got the lucky loser to, to get into the main draw of the U23 Worlds, where in pool play, we played Cantor Loziak, who ended up winning the tournament. And I'm trying to think whether, what, what other team was in our pool. Norway, I think. We played a Norwegian team. Svein Solhaug, who's actually playing with Christian Sorm this week in Doha at the four-star event. Anyways, so I played Cantor Loziak as well. Uh, so then, yes, as you said, played, uh, played Koziak Rudol in, uh, in the U21 Worlds. They beat us um, two straight, but, you know, just to play against those guys. Those guys actually won U23 World Championships the following year, so they won a gold medal. And then we played Brill, and who the heck was his partner? Doesn't matter. But those guys won. Those guys won a gold medal at the U19 World Championships. They had beaten Kissling and Gerson in the finals. They were just playing at such a high level. And it was really, really interesting for me to learn and to see how how much more developed these 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 players were than me and than, than me and, and Greg and I as a team. Um but it was it was crazy. Like I just got thrown into the heat of the action. And, you know, when that happens, you don't really have much of a choice, but you just, you just gotta, you know, all the, all the games you lose, you, you, you gotta look at them and you gotta say, okay, why did we lose these games? What are these teams doing? And I'd like to think that that's what we did. We, we, we tried to copy the, these teams approach, uh, to the games and, and how they play and the style of play and their aggression and, and kind of, uh, risk management that they had. So. It was really, really valuable for me to to lose so many games in my first ever, you know, competitive year of playing beach volleyball uh, because I was losing to fantastic players and super talented players, all of which who have gold medals on on the FIVB, whether it's on uh, the adult level, like the senior level, or at youth youth world levels. Um, it was it was it was really good and eye opening and and really important i think uh to get those games under my belt and those losses under my belt as well yeah it's super interesting that i think your story is is unique and i think can inspire a lot of people because i think some people might have an idea that our sport follows a pathway that you you play for your region then you play for the provincial team and then you get a chance to go to youth worlds and then you play for canada where that's not the case with you you signed up with a buddy from your university team and all of a sudden you're representing canada right so when did Team Ontario enter your like development stream? Like after you went to Youth Worlds, or once you qualified for Youth Worlds, they then you were on the provincial team. Like I'm wondering when did this cross over? Because yeah, you didn't follow like a step by step process. It seems like you guys won trials and then your beach career took off, right? Yeah. Well, we we actually didn't win. We didn't win the trials, so we lost in the U21 trials, as I said to Grant Aaron, and we also lost in the U23 finals oh. to um, to Will Hoey and Will Sidgwick. So both tournaments were represented as can too. Uh, but yeah, so I never was a part of Team Ontario for beach volleyball or anything. Uh, but, you know, obviously once uh, Greg and I, I got I to gotta stop calling him Greg. All my Windsor buddies, if they listen to this, are going to be like, stop it. His name's Cheese. Cheese and I qualified for these things. He was like, look, like we need to train. And, and at the end of those tournaments, I was 
chatting with uh, with Cheese, Eddie, and Eddie Coleman, and and Angie Shen, and you know they were telling me about the beach program in the summer, like. I'm on the team because I'm playing with Greg and we're going to world championships and we need to train. And at the end of that uh, first year of university, at the end of school, in May, Greg and I moved in. Cheese and I moved into uh, into Toronto together and I had my full summer of uh, training there. So that's, that's kind of how I started with Team Ontario. Friend of the show, Jeff Miller, started an amazing golf brand called Club Jason. Designed with quality in mind, Jason sets no limits on comfort, feel, and appeal. They are devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who could benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer. An additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Club Jason wanted to pass on some savings to you, official friend of the show. Use promo code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S, at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Jason also offers free shipping in North America on any order over $99. Visit clubjason.com, that's C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com, to check out their amazing clothing and to learn more. Jason, join the club! Awesome. This is this is amazing, man. And then just to to jump ahead a little bit, one season I kind of had circled here was your 2015 season. And the reason I have that circled is uh, obviously we can start at the start of the summer. But spoiler alert, you won provincial championships. And I'm trying to do the math. How old were you in 2015 to win a men's elite provincial championship? Were you 21, 22 years old when you took that down? Yeah. Yeah. I think Sergey and I were both uh, 21 years of age. I mean, put my handy dandy calculator here, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was, uh, yeah, 21. Sergey and I were both 21. He might have been 20 just because of his birthday, but like that's so yeah, impressive that was, to win a, a men's elite tournament in Ontario because I'm thinking you would have been battling against like Matty Z that summer. Like, there's so many other good players, and I think like young people always do well in Ontario. And I think like the tour is, is made up of like a principle: if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough. Like, it's not unusual to see young guys play, but at the same time, there's a lot of weekend warriors. There's a lot of guys who train with the national team who want to compete, so they they play on the OVA tour. That to do that as a 21 year old is super impressive, but. That summer started off a, a little bit wonky where my understanding was the provincial team had recruited basically some bigs, like they wanted to get some more blockers into the program. Uh, and that kind of affected some partner choices. So even though you and Sergey were partners by the end of the summer, you didn't start off, right? So more impressive that you win a provincial championship at the end of the summer, but you guys weren't even a full pair for even in May or, or June, right? No, no, we, we actually, <laughs> we started playing together, I believe, the last weekend of June, if my if, if if I'm correct, this this is something that he might be able to confirm. But yeah, basically what happened, man, was was to start the summer. It was my third consecutive year playing with Greg, and and we had a lot of success. I I would say we qualified for three world championships at the youth level together. That's pretty impressive. You know, we competed in many, many tournaments. We, 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 we were winning, you know, the youth tournaments, like the youth OVA tournaments. We were, we weren't winning all, but we won a couple of like elite tournaments. But then we just kind of, 
we kind of peaked and we weren't kind of getting the results that I wanted, I had wanted. And it seemed like our partnership was kind of going downhill. We were, we were getting more frustrated with one another over the little things that, you know, a year or two ago before that we, we weren't even letting it bother us because we were just playing in the moment. And yeah, as you said, there's a lot of blockers that uh, were brought into the Team Ontario program. I'm trying to think of some names, but I think the only one that I can recall is is uh, Link Wood. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Uchenna was a guy I worked with a lot and a oh, friend of the Uchenna. show. Yeah, yeah, Uchenna, who's a guys really are. good volleyball player, yeah, as well, who, who plays professional volleyball now uh, in Europe. I think he's playing in Spain currently and having a pretty successful career, if, if, if I'm not mistaken. But Uchenna was one of them, too. So Luke actually was playing with Sergey, and yeah. So basically, what happened is to start to start off that summer. I think Cheese and I had lost like two or three trials, uh, whether it was for U twenty three Worlds or whether it was, whether it was like Norseka trials and Fishu trials, maybe. And it was like okay, like gosh, I, I don't I don't want to do this, but I think I need something new, and it was. Honestly, one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make because I would never be where I am even today without cheese. Like, he is one of the biggest influences that I've ever had in my life. Um, and, and as I said, just the most unbelievable, you know, athlete and, and, and person. I just felt the love and the passion that I had for volleyball and I was like okay I think if I want to to, to to keep getting better and to keep pursuing this which I do I think I need something new and I knew that you know there were some issues in some other partnerships or you know whatever it was so you know I, I, I asked Sergey one, one, one night and I was like hey man like you know I'm thinking about getting a new partner for the rest of the summer and for the upcoming year like do you think that you'd want to play with me? I know you're playing with Luke right now and Sergey didn't want to at the start because him and Luke had been such great friends and Luke is Luke was was an unbelievable athlete as well. He was he was strong, he was tall, he hit the ball harder than anyone I've seen and a fantastic blocker, really good hands when he's setting the ball in transition or side out. So Sergey didn't want to, didn't want to, didn't want to, but I just kept grilling him about it. I kept grilling him about it. I was like, look, man, let's do this. We're going to do well. We're going to win. Yada, yada, yada. I don't know what happened, but he gave in. Gave in. He goes, fine, I'll play with you. I think they might have had like two tournaments or three tournaments where they slipped up. And um, Actually, I do recall that they, there was a, it was right after a Norseka trial that I played with Andrew Coker. So that's a name that. I didn't expect to pop up into into this discussion with you, but I played a Norseka trial with Andrew Coker, who is, oh gosh, I know I keep saying everyone's talented, but Andrew Coker might have been one of the most talented volleyball players of like my of my class because he's a 1994 as well, um, and we had we hadn't trained, hadn't done nothing. I actually didn't know I was playing the tournament with him until the morning of the tournament when he just showed up to the beach i'd registered us but he never confirmed whether or not he'd be there uh, or anything which is such a 
poker thing to do i guess if you want to label it as that other people other people will, will I think know what that means for sure like most people would be panicking but if anyone's going to always show up to a beach tournament and play well it's coker so i i don't even feel stressed about that and i totally can relate to that story i've seen him do it many times <laughs> so so you know we actually ended up losing uh in the quarterfinals and i think we we finished sixth in the Narsika trial list which at the time was super important because if you finish sixth on the list like you could totally go to a tournament whereas nowadays that doesn't seem to be the case anymore but we actually beat Sergey and Luke um and I don't think Sergey was very pleased with that or you know obviously Luke wasn't pleased with that either but I think after that we Sergey was like okay I'm pretty impressed with how you've been playing and training and you know let's let's do it and so that's how Sergey and I kind of started playing together. And I think it was at the end of June and J- July came about and we just threw ourselves into like a million tournaments and just uh, did pretty well, I guess. Yeah, that's that's how that happened. Now, this is something that doesn't get talked about a lot, uh, at least on this show and maybe not in the volleyball community. But um, I believe I was with Team Ontario this summer. That's why I think I remember it so clearly. But one thing that I thought was cool was... Partners are changing within the program, and I think she started playing with Tommy. But one thing that happens within a training group is because you have teams within teams that I thought even at a young age, you and Greg were pretty professional because it's not easy to break up with a partner, especially somebody who you were having success with, but wasn't maybe going to be like the next level thing you were looking for. But even to like go to practice the next day and have to play with your your old partner, like I, I just think about how people in the real world react to like breakups. And imagine you had to be in the same training group as that person, like it's pretty gnarly and to see what you guys did at team oh i thought it showed a lot of growth at a young age so i just want to hear from your standpoint like what does go into a partner change like you talked about the results and other things but maybe just the ripple effect of like having to be around that person or having to compete against them like what goes into that as a beach player about you know being around your former partner or being in training groups with somebody who might be your next partner like it's it's kind of an uneasy thing to navigate sometimes right oh man yeah well Again, I'm 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 super super fortunate that the the team Ontario that I was a part with uh, a part of. Sorry, look at look at all of them. Look at all of them now. We're we're all on the national team. So, but 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 that's not even my point. My point is we were all very 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 good friends, and I think that sometimes you don't get that. And we were such good friends that we genuinely cared about each other as way more than just beach volleyball players. And so I think that was one thing that allowed for kind of that professional behavior and, and what kind of allowed us to go into every single practice session ready to, to improve as volleyball players, but still willing to to work on our you know off the court relationships and friendships and 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 connections with one another so i think that was that was a little bit easier than than most people would find but that's just due to the fact that we were all very close we spent a lot of time together hanging out at you know sven's house and uh, my house in in the york village where 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 a bunch of us lived and uh but that next day holy moly that next day do i ever have a story for you that next day, what the heck happened? Greg started playing with Adam Thompson, and Sergey couldn't make the first practice. So I played with none other than Jake, the real deal, McNeil, in practice. <laughs> and 
the first drill of the game had us on the same court as Adam Thompson and, and Cheese. And uh, it was the loudest drill and the most intense game I've ever played in practice. It was shocking. I was doing things that I didn't know my body was capable of doing on a volleyball court. Jake was being three to four times more obnoxious and energetic than he is on a regular day. And that's, come on, that is, that is, uh, it's excessive. It was unbelievable. Greg was hitting his jump serve harder than he's ever hit it ever. Adam Thompson was block touching almost every ball. It was unbelievable. That, that was, I'll never forget it. And, you know, I think we were doing drills um, up to like 15 or something. And, 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 and I, I do remember that Jake and I, Jake and I came away with it. Uh, the score is not important, but um, that, that was, I was like, wow. It's like, we just unleashed the next level of, of play. Um, and so I do think that from like that moment on, I was like, wow, I'm capable of doing this. So I just kind of elevated my game a little bit and, Adam and Greg elevated their games a little bit because they just unlocked a new threshold. It felt like so. Uh, that was that was that was that was for sure a practice to remember. Yeah, that's that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that one. And then again, just to jump ahead because you mentioned it, like you, Sergey, Jake, Liam. Uh, I don't think Hoey was Timo that year. Maybe he was already with the national team, but like just the core of your team Ontario group went on to play for the national team. So when did you make that choice that you wanted to try out and try to be like a, a next gen guy for the national team versus staying with the provincial team? Because I think that's, that's a choice every athlete has to make because there is a little bit of an age crossover there and it really comes down to like what you want to do. And I know uh, like this would affect your school if you chose to go to the national team because you'd be training year round and little things like that. Right. So what went into your decision to like pursue beach more full time and how that was going to influence, like you said, like uh, your studies or maybe your indoor playing and all the other stuff that went into your career? Uh, yeah, exactly. So basically what happened was, you know, after I partnered up with Sergey, we had a lot of success for, for 20 year olds, um, in Canada, I would say, um, uh, you know, we came to the van open where we made the metal rounds. Uh, then we went to center of gravity where we made the metal rounds. We went to, we went to the States where we played a USA high performance tournament, uh, where we, we actually won gold. Uh, in that tournament. And I, I believe in the finals, we played against uh, Micah Ma, who was a setter at what UCLA and I was a men's setter for the, for the States. And there's also a setter in France right now. Um, and his partner was uh, Jake something. He's the son of a legendary beach volleyball player right now. Why am I, why am I spacing on this? So am I, man. And I think I know who you're talking about, but yeah, I'm not going to think of it. <laughs> so anyways, we played them in the finals and, and, and we beat them. And then, uh, then we came back and we won provincials. I think we finished third at nationals, um, uh, in the provincial finals. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we beat Dallas Keith and Matt Golas, but in the semifinals, we beat 
Jesse Lelliot and Maddie Z. Um, so that was a, that was a crazy game. I think we won 15, 12 in the third. And just the other day I was hanging out with Maddie Z over here in Vancouver and I was throwing, we were playing disc golf. That's a, it's a new, it's a new hobby amongst, uh, I guess all the guys back home in Toronto are, are playing disc golf too. Um, but it's kind of something that we're doing a lot here in Vancouver and Maddie Z came to play some disc golf and we were, we were just, uh, you know, chirping one another and that, uh, that game actually came up and that was, it was just so funny to just kind of remember, remember a bit about what was happening in those times. Um, anyways, then we continued to play on tour. Um, there were a couple tournaments that we went to, um, we went to China and something that was called the world leisure games, which to tell you the truth, I don't think they've ever had another tournament. Um, but we, it was like, a, a all expenses paid. Um, we finished fourth there, which I think, you know, was, was one of our biggest disappointments. Like, I think we really truly should have won that tournament, but we were just so young and we just, we were, we, we just hadn't really unlocked our full potential and, and we weren't fully mature yet. And I think that played, played a big part into why we didn't uh, do better there. Uh, played some tournaments in Brazil of some qualifiers and, you know, that kind of pushed us to try out for the national team. And um, I think we were both on the national team as independent athletes. And so we continued to train with Team Ontario. And then the following season, so 2016 is probably when, when I had, you know, another very uh, good spell of my volleyball career with uh, Jake McNeil. So that's when that partnership happened. And that partnership is what pulled Jake and I out of Team Ontario and just started being uh, full-time with the national team. Um, as a dependent athletes, uh, followed by carded athletes. So, and I'm trying to remember my timeline of where this fit, but I seem to remember you were still a Windsor student and you organized your schedule so you could drive to Toronto either like Thursday evenings or Friday mornings and still train like Friday, Saturday, Sunday as a beach guy and then go back down to Windsor and attend class in person. Was that, was that still when you were with Timo or was that a VC thing? I'm trying to think like, when did you make this huge sacrifice and start driving all over the province so you could train beach like full time, but yeah. like on a part-time schedule, if that makes sense. Yeah. So basically... That was when I was still playing with Sergey. Um, one of the things that he said when we started our partnership was, look, if, if we're going to play together, like it's none of this, you only play beach in the summertime. It's, it's all or nothing. Uh, and I said, okay, it's, it's, I'm all in. So that was in my, in my fourth year of university, I stopped playing indoor. And basically what I did is I set up my school schedule for Monday, Tuesday, full course, full course load. I was at school all day, Monday, Tuesday. And I had a three hour lecture Monday or sorry, Wednesday morning from, from eight thirty until, you know, 1150 or whatever it might be. And then Wednesday I would go, go to school and from school, I would drive directly to Toronto for Wednesday night practice. So with team Ontario, that's to, to answer your question, I was with Team Ontario. It was just Sergey and I and uh, Eddie and Angie. Um, so I would train Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, 
Sunday morning, we would train, I think, 8.30 to 10.30. 10.30, practice done, boom, hop in my car, drive back to Windsor, sleep, wake up Monday morning, go to school, repeat for 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 all of the fall, winter, um, and, the, and early spring. And man, the, it took a toll on, on my body, for sure. So much driving and uh, financially, it was very difficult to maintain and a lot of gas and, and tough, tough driving on the 401. I can just remember some, some, some tough days, some big snowstorms that I had to drive through. And I had a typically a, a drive that, that takes, you know, four hours, Toronto to Toronto to Windsor, Windsor to Toronto. And it took me one, one Sunday. I remember I left at, I left at 11 and I didn't get home until maybe nine fifteen nine thirty at night. Cause there's just a big snowstorm and, uh, but you know, tough, tough, tough way of life, I guess, uh, during those times. But I loved it, and I important to train and to 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 live the life of a professional athlete at that time, even though we were only a part of Team Ontario. Yeah, definitely. And then just to pick up to your to your latest point about when you started playing with Jake McNeil again, I'm just looking at your your BVB account here. You guys really embrace the grind, and what I mean by that is when you get on tour, it's not that glamorous of a lifestyle. Like you're going to countries for a chance to qualify, and if you lose, you, you don't get your hotel or food paid for, and, and you're kicked out of the tournament basically. So you guys went to thailand the u.s he played two events in brazil you went to turkey like you guys are just battling 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 like take us through that experience because i think you know sometimes people hear that you play for the national team and it's like that's a great accomplishment that's awesome but then when you got to go to work and you start getting on tour what was that feeling like when you're like i said getting off an airplane knowing that you're there to play a game and if you lose you have to go home again like what how did you ever get used to that or the confidence to play in these matches and get used to that feeling of like I, I just spent a lot of money for a chance to to play one game. Yeah, yeah, it's oh man, I'm sure I'm sure so many people that you know you've chatted with say, say the same thing. But it's uh, you're chasing a dream, you're chasing a dream, and and if those dreams, you know, if those dreams that you have aren't big enough, and they and sorry, if those dreams you have, they if they don't scare you, then maybe you got to check in with yourself because those dreams aren't big enough if they don't scare you. And I think that's, I think that's what Jake and I did. We, we, we were chasing a lifestyle and we just demanded so much from ourselves. And, uh, Oh man, we've got to be one of the most passionate teams that, that I can think of like so much energy between the two of us, so much drive and, and, and passion and desire to win when when McNeil Burlack were on the court together and, and uh, just I just I, I love that guy I love that guy um, one of he's he's one of the again one of the biggest people in my life you know I, I, I'm gonna have memories that last me a lifetime um, because of him and, and and him alongside me so it was hard though it was hard um, we, you know, I just said, we, we traveled the world. We had some tough stretches for sure. And, uh, we were just warriors, man. Like I remember we went to a tournament in Switzerland. Uh, we got into their national tour with a wild card. Basically that was right before we were coming. So we, we trained in Vancouver. We were going to Switzerland. 
We came back from Switzerland to play in Vancouver, to go play in Norseka in Mexico, to go to Turk, to go to Thailand. I think it was. Uh, we, 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 I think we hit like seven countries in the span of what four to five weeks or something. But anyways, we were in Switzerland and on the first day there, we were going to go train with, uh, Breer and Hausner who were partners at the time, both of which have different partners now, uh, Swiss boys. And Jake was like, Oh, I'm not feeling well. I was like, Oh, no worries, man. Tell, uh, I'll talk to Flo and, and, and let him know that, you know, we might have to cancel today if you're not feeling well. Later that day goes, oh, man, I'm really not feeling well. Like, something's up. Like, I can't eat. I'm going to the bathroom all the time. Like, my stomach's upset. Like, I want to sleep all day. And I was like, crap. Okay. Tournament starts in a couple of days. So we go to the locket clinic in Switzerland. They don't know what the heck up with them. And then all of a sudden he goes, man, my my jaw hurts my mouth hurts it's like oh my god he's like i can't eat again we go to the walk-in clinic and then something happens and they're like okay well your wisdom teeth are coming out like you need you need to get this taken care of asap and we're like well what the heck do we do now we play tomorrow so i was like dude like do we pull out of the tournament he's like no he played man he played on no food this guy didn't eat. You know what this guy would do? He wakes up, chugs two blue Gatorades. It's game time. Time to go. Pepper, hit two balls in warm-up. He's out of energy. That's okay. It's time to play. He's like, game. In warm-ups, you have to hit every ball into the net. Pretend like you can't play volleyball. Hit your roll shots three meters out. I was faking being a bad volleyball player in warm-ups. It was hilarious. And it worked. He didn't get served until like 10-10 or 12-12 in, in each game. And then they caught on. And our strategy was, okay, we're going to get smoked in one set. Let's try to win the first set. And I can't believe it, but we won the first set of both games that we played. So in those uh, Swiss Tours tournaments, double a limb. We won the first set of each game. As second set, we're going to tank it. Ah, Gabe, I'm, I'm, I'm out of energy. I can't jump. I can't do anything. I was like, okay, let's tank it. He's like, we're going to tank it and we're going to take them in three. And holy crap, Josh, did we ever get close? We, we lost the first game, 16-14, to uh, uh, Sebastian Chevalier, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, who's a two-time Olympian for Switzerland, maybe a one-time. You'll have to, you'll have to check the facts on that. And then I cannot recall for the life of me who we lost the second game to, uh, but it was the same exact situation, 15, 13. And, you know, Jake was smashing Gatorades as his, uh, as his food source. Cause that's all he could do. And from that moment on, I was like, man, this guy's a warrior. This is great. So that was just another kind of difficult thing that you encounter sometimes. Uh, when you're when you're playing in qualifiers on tour and sometimes you get sick and it's like well we just flew all the way to this country what do we do do we just say do we we, you know put up our white flag and 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 call it a day and he did it and i love that and that happened to us one time um at the huntington avp fivb if you recall that was a four star i think in 2018 i got sick i had food poisoning and I, i couldn't hold anything down I remember I was like, I can't let him down. I can't, I have to play for him. 
have to play for our team and and and, and I did. Um, so we actually ended up winning three games and then losing in the second of three rounds of qualifiers to get in. Um, so this, the reason I say we won three games is we played two games to get into the qualifier. We won our first round qualifier and lost our second round qualifier. And I remember like chasing a cut shot because we were split blocking. Yes, Jake McNeil did block in an <laughs> FIVB tournament. Uh, we were split blocking because I couldn't run up to the net. And I remember getting a cut shot and I threw up in my mouth and I caught it. I don't know if we won or the point or not, but I immediately called a timeout, went to the seat, like spit it all out and just took like a full minute of just thinking to myself, what is happening? So very, very challenging sometimes when, when, you know, you add exhaustion from long trips, exhaustion from playing in the heat, exhaustion from traveling. And, and, and sure, it might not be physical exhaustion, but it's mental exhaustion of traveling, you know, from Thailand back to California, to Mexico, back to California, like whatever it is. It's, it's, it's very difficult, but you just you 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 get caught in chasing your dream man, and you want nothing more than just to accomplish that. So I think I think Jake and I did. Uh, we were very admirable for that. And I think. I don't think a lot of people know that about us and maybe they do and maybe they don't, but that my, my, my relationship with Jake was, was, was special and it forever will be special. And, and on the court, we were, uh, man, one of the most unique teams I would say. And again, we were just, we were so young, uh, not as mature as we are today and didn't really have a coach just trained with the national team and, and with, with Steve Anderson and, trained a lot with, with, uh, Grant and Sam and Aaron could And then the next year with Sam and Sam and Aaron could which, which, which really helped us. And that was, uh, that was, those yeah, some, some, some good times there. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Like just speaking for myself again, I've, I've known you for a lot of years and I haven't heard either one of those stories. So that's just super impressive. And I want to thank you for sharing it because I think a lot of guys will remember you and Jake playing together and how you were warriors, but I didn't know the behind the scenes and some of the other stuff you were going through. And it's just super interesting to hear. And just one other thing I had in my notes that I wanted to talk to you about with, with Jake was uh, you guys earned the right to go to FISU games. And what was it like going to an event like that, where it's a multi-sport games, like beach volleyball is a big deal during the event like how did you feel playing that competition in munich uh representing canada at a fisu level yeah that was uh that was really that was a really really fun tournament it was i think that was a pretty difficult time in our partnership because a lot of people don't realize or know that we, we played together for the for for almost three years but not only did we play together that's that's great that's fine we also lived together and competed intensely for three years so if you put that into perspective that means we lived together competed together so what i'm what i'm getting at is over the course of three years we might have been spending oh gosh let's say 30 days a year apart from each other a year so we were it's like a it's like we were married 22 year olds jake's two years younger than me so a 20 year old and a 22 year old two dudes living on their own and 
you know, Fichu was at the latter end of, of, of our partnership where, you know, it, it sadly, it kind of caught up to us. We were just, again, we were just letting little things bother us that, that typically wouldn't have. Um, but that tournament, it was great. Jake, Jake was, Jake was incredible. He, he, he was making plays left and right. He was scoring the ball. He, he was automatic. He was, he was winning points on defense. Like, like he always does. He was winning points with his, with his serves. Um, my shoulder was healthy. I remember I had a lot of shoulder issues at that, at that time. Jake and I actually won a tournament in Santa Barbara. We can chat about that later. If, if, if you remember to bring it up, but my shoulder was healthy. Everything, everything was great. We won our pool in Fichu. We, we won three and zero. um, I believe we won our first game in the playoffs. I, I can't recall against who. And then in the pre-quarters, we played against the Spain team that had also won their pool. Uh, the Jimenez brothers, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, uh, but they're bros, maybe twins. Um, really, really good players. Um, and we, we, we unfortunately lost 15-13. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of frustration built up between Jake and I that game. And I think had we been properly coached and, and more mature, I don't think we would have ever gotten into that situation. I just remember my blocking should have been better. I wasn't exactly taking what I needed to be taking. These guys were both high flyers, super fast twitch. And, and we were just, I wasn't, I just wasn't getting as many blocks as I should have been getting. And I remember, I was getting frustrated, like, Jake, why aren't you digging him? He was getting, like, frustrated. Gabe, why aren't you blocking it? But at the end of the day, it was this exceptional beach volleyball game. Like, exceptional. I, to this day, I don't know how to go about it, but I want to see if there's, like, some video of that game because we played on center court, so I'm sure it's out there somewhere. But it was a highly fascinating game of, of, of beach volleyball. And... Um, I loved, I loved that experience and I loved going through those hardships with Jake uh, because there isn't a different player that I wish that I could have gone through all, all of these things with. Yeah, he was a special, a special partner, special player, and, you know, special person in my life. And, and that's, that's never going to change. So, but I, I do think still to this day, you know, still to this day, we, we, we think that we could have got more out of that tournament. And, and, and I think that, we we should have now while it's fresh on my brain and i actually wrote it in my notes here uh tell me the santa barbara story <laughs> the santa barbara story so yeah so again with jake uh gosh there's just so many stories of, of jake and i competing in difficult tournaments um and man did we did we win a lot we 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 won a lot and santa barbara we we went to santa barbara as preparation for if i'm not mistaken Fichu, but I, I can't remember. Just there's there's so much going through my mind. But the reason I think we actually lost in Fichu, lost that game, and we flew back to Vancouver and got second at the Vancouver Open. I don't know if you can confirm or deny that, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But anyways, uh, Santa Barbara, we we were there training for two weeks in Hermosa. Jake and I have a lot of a lot of friends from from that area, a lot of friends on the AVP. So we were training there and signed up for a tournament in Santa Barbara. It was an AVP next, 
So for those uh, people listening who don't know what an AVP Next is, it's basically the version of the AVP Tour, like the second tier of it. But it was one of those where if you won, it was an AVP Next Gold, which means if you win that tournament, you get to qualify for the Manhattan Open. So Jake and I won this tournament, and uh, had we been American citizens, we would have been able to play in the Manhattan Open, which is the biggest AVP tournament, one of the biggest beach volleyball tournaments actually ever. But yeah, that tournament was crazy uh, because I hurt my shoulder. So basically what happened was prior to going to California, Josh, we played a grass tournament in Pennsylvania. The biggest, uh, the biggest grass tournament in the world. It's called the Pottstown Rumble. I believe the prize money was 14,000 US dollars for the first place. And Jake and I lost to Dalahisi and Duncan Budinger, who's the brother of Chase Budinger. And those tournaments are insane. It's old school rules, nine by nine court, king of the court, or sorry, king of the beach or the court volleyball, the white and black ones, uh, nine panel or 12 panel, 16 panel, something ridiculous. All that tournament is, is bombs away on serves, bombs away on side out. If you roll shot, you are getting booed, heckled, everything you can imagine by the fans. And I'm saying fans, there are hundreds of people surrounded, surrounding your court, watching these games. So then we, so, so we played that tournament. We ended up losing, um, we still got a fifth out of 164 team main draw or 168 team main draw. So we flew to Hermosa beach, which as you know, we know the deepest sand in the world. They say that's where, that's where everyone trains because the sand is so hard to plant. And we just came back from jumping on grass, playing on a nine by nine court. And we were terrible. So I hurt my shoulder trying to adjust. So we played this tournament in Santa Barbara and I couldn't swing. I could, I couldn't swing. So we played a one day tournament in Santa Barbara, played against the likes of what's his name? David McKenzie, who USA men's national team Olympian for indoor volleyball. We played, uh, Adam Roberts, we played Troy Field, who is the next AVP sensation and current stud of the AVP. Some local heroes in the finals who actually ended up going into the Manhattan Open because we couldn't take the bid. Who the heck else did we play? We played a guy named Matt Prosser, who was an AVP stud in the early 2000s or mid 2000s. And that tournament was that tournament was really, really great. We, we played super well. Jake stuck by my side, uh, setting me unbelievable, playing unbelievable defense, entertaining the crowd, skyballing, ripping jump surveys. And then meanwhile, I was literally just there, roll shotting line, hitting the Aaron Nussbaum patented baby line out of the middle and hitting jumbos because I couldn't hit. I, maybe I could hit one ball a game if, I, if it was perfect. So that was, that was a pretty cool, pretty cool story. Actually that morning of we, we were in Hermosa and the tournament was in Santa Barbara. So we were taking, we're supposed to take a train, uh, the Pacific coast railway or something it was called. And the the night before we went to book our, 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 our train ticket. It was supposed to be like a, I don't know, 30, 30 minute trip there, 30 minutes back. We go to book the ticket and not possible. 
the train doesn't go as early as we needed to. We we're like, the, the, the train only starts running at like 8.30. And we're like, crap, our first game's at 8.30. So we had to Uber there. It was like a $240 US dollar Uber ride from Hermosa Beach to Santa Barbara. And then we ended up winning something like, I don't know, gosh, what was it? 1400 US dollars or 2400 US dollars, I forget. And and, and a bunch of cases of Bud Light beers because the because ter- Bud Light sponsored the tournament. And so we won the beers, didn't have a ride back. And we're like, what the heck are we going to do with these beers? So we just went back to the courts ASAP and just started throwing all the fans beers. And then all the fans started loving us, even though we just beat the hometown heroes who trained at that beach, East Beach. <laughs> And so, and Miles Evans was there, who who's the current uh, U.S. U.S. player too, and he was heckling us all game, and 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 just a just a really funny story. We actually, we Troy Field actually found us a ride, funny enough, by a guy named Sandy, uh, who drove us back in his van, and he he lived out of his van because he loved traveling to to watch professional volleyball players play and train, so he lived out of his van. So the entire ride back to, to Hermosa, Jake just climbed into the back and just slept in this random dude's bed in the, in, 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 as he was driving down the Pacific Coast Highway. I don't even know what it's called for like two hours. It was hilarious. I don't know if I should be censoring this out that you guys are winning tournaments, giving alcohol away to people in the stands, sleeping in random people's vans who are giving you a ride back that you just have this blind trust that this, oh, here's this guy with the van. He'll take us where we need to go. <laughs> yeah, but no, as I said, it was Troy Field's buddy. So Sandy was kind of one of the ones who like really pushed Troy Field to, to pursue volleyball and to get him to start training with like the pros. And, you know, Troy said, look, this guy's legit. He'll take you back to Hermosa. He's he's driving his van back there because I'm practicing tomorrow morning and he's going to be at my practice. He's at all my practices. So we're like, okay. And so he, he introduced us to Sandy and we, we chatted and we're like, look, you know, we'll, we'll pay for your gas. He, 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 he wouldn't take any of our money. He, he said, you know, absolutely not. You, you guys won the tournament. You guys were uh, unbelievably entertaining to watch. And, and the least I could do is take, take you guys back to, to Hermosa. And so that, that did, but, but, but yeah, we, we, you know, Jake and I, Jake and I don't really drink. We don't, we don't really drink alcohol. And, and we did so many cases of beers. We're like, what do we do with it? And I remember like, we actually ended up bringing like a case of beer back to, to Hermosa with us. But yeah, three cases, just, we, we were blindly throwing them at humans <laughs> and they were catching beers out of the air it wasn't even like oh here like i'm passing somebody a beer i'm telling you jake was throwing beers backwards it was hysterical i wish it could be captured on video he was throwing beers backwards into the crowd at people and they were like grabbing beers out of the air miles was sitting down just wanting more and more beers to be thrown his way. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. (laughs) How have I never heard this one before? Yeah. I'm going to have to corner him. You have to ask Jake about it. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. 
Oh man, this is this is great. I'm just looking again at my notes to go down the timeline here, and you know, time to tackle the elephant in the room. I think it'd be interesting for people to know that uh, with my role with VC and with you moving away from the national team, it just shows your level of class that you and I can sit here and have a conversation for you know and put it on the internet. But uh, I was wondering if you could share the process there, where you actually chose to move out to VC, and you've got a great training group there, and I think it just shows that in Canada, there's so many people training and who love our sport that even though the national team's home base is in Toronto and that's where we train, that there's still groups like in Quebec, there's groups in, in BC and Alberta and Manitoba that like are still passionate about playing beach volleyball. And I think you and Logan and everybody else in BC have a great thing going. I was just wondering if you could explain the, the process of moving there and, you know, how you're still training and competing and still, you know, being an international beach volleyball player once, you know, this, this crazy thing going around the world ends and we can get back to competing full time. Totally. So, uh, yeah, so I moved, uh, pretty drastic life change, I would say to, to, you know, to, to move from one city to another, let alone a province to a different province across the country. But, you know, I just, I love it. I love it here. And my first ever time being in Vancouver is my, uh, I played a van open with cheese and I just stepped foot on that beach and I was like, this is it. Like I felt it. I felt it. I was like, I belong here. This like, this place is me. Ever since then, the Vancouver Open has always been my favorite tournament. Always, everybody knows that. Gabe loves the Van Open. Uh, I, I I don't know what happened. I don't know how I got lucky, but I, I befriended two incredibly amazing human beings, Sandy and Seymour. And I don't know how that fell to me. I don't know what happened. I don't know what I did or what I said to make them like me and appreciate me and, and have this connection with me. But I just felt so welcomed and, and, and so loved and everything here by this volleyball community who, who have unbelievable athletes, volleyball athletes, and just more so than that, just amazing people. And so I was like, I belong there. And I always, always knew that I would move here one day. And last year, you know, Logan and I, who is Logan's Logan Men's my current uh, beach volleyball partner. We're we're really good friends. We're really good friends outside of volleyball as well. And we were like, look, let's do it. It's you know, COVID, nobody's training. Why don't we use this time? Why don't you come to 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 BC? And Logan has a beach volleyball court in his backyard. So even if there's quarantine, great. We can quarantine and still train because we've got a, a court in the backyard where we're quarantining. And that's exactly what happened for like a month and a half. But yeah, I think that there was, you know, one of my dreams also was to, 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 to have a very, very good side hustle, not necessarily a career, but a side hustle that could make me, um, you know, a steady income and it could help, it, it could allow me to do what I love. And that's to, to, to coach kids and, and to coach the next generation of athletes. And so I knew coming here that there was a market, um, and a big, big opening for a boys volleyball club. And so that was a big reason as to why I decided, you know, I think I need to go now and get my, you know, get set up and, you know, to my luck, it all, it all fell in place, uh, place to me. Um, Matt Kruger who's a, a good friend of mine here, uh, has his own, has a, started his own club called new wave volleyball. And basically I said to him, look, 
your club sounds great. It's a boys volleyball club. There aren't that many boys volleyball clubs here in Vancouver. And I was like, look, it's great. It's great that you started it. But let me introduce to you my vision. You're an indoor coach. He's the assistant coach for uh, UBC. He's the assistant coach for the youth national team for men's. I was like, we need a beach program. Let me do that for you. Let me run a beach program, a beach club for new wave and that's exactly what we have and you know we're hoping to this summer to to get up to 64 athletes to train full-time uh starting from the ages of, of of you know 13 13 years old 12 years old and we've got some we've got some pretty pretty serious talent um and you know that's that part of part of my life and uh, as for training purposes and, and training related things, uh, we have uh, Grant O'Gorman and Ben Saxton who train here with their coach Christian Redmond. So, you know, Logan and I were fortunate enough to train with Grant, and I trained with Grant for the better better part of uh, uh, two months after Grant made his um, you know his recovery from testicular cancer, which is. Um, something that he's very open about and, and um, that he talks about and shares his story with, with, with many people and, and many, you know, younger athletes. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful that Grant allowed me to be a part of that, you know, recovery process for him. Um, I think Grant is, you know, an exceptional person and one of the most exceptional and hardworking athletes I've, you know, I've ever come across. Um, so I'm super grateful, as I said, that he, you know, allowed me to, to be a part of that with him. Um, so again, just kind of fell in place for me, come here and train with one of, you know, one of the most hardworking and, and, and talented Canadian athletes in, in beach volleyball, but, you know, beach volleyball players in the world, um, him and Ben right now are in Doha and, looking to qualify for the Olympics. Uh, so, so that experience is fantastic. Super, super grateful. And I'm just really, really happy that we, you know, we, we can have these things here. Yeah. Like you said, like pretty, pretty gnarly lifestyle choice, but you're, you're making the best out of it. You've committed to a lot of different areas. Like there's some good stuff going on out there and it sounds like you're going to have a, a nice influence on it as well with, with the programs you're starting. So thanks for sharing that. And then, just looking at my clock here, I've taken a, a big chunk of your day so far, but one thing uh, I, I always say we're trying to make a tradition. I think it is a tradition at this point that you always got to end a passing times episode with a funny or unique story. So I was wondering if you could just give us a laugh where you've played at the highest level of our sport and you've already shared a couple of great stories, but I was hoping you can give us one more just to leave us with another laugh about something that, you know, wouldn't have happened if volleyball wasn't in your life. Yeah. Okay. I got two stories here because I don't know which ones to tell you and I'll make them the condensed version. So both of these uh, stories are from when I played with Jake. So the first story that I want to, <laughs> this is really funny. So it's that tournament that I was chatting to you about in Santa Barbara. Um, it was the quarterfinals and we were, we were going up against uh, Adam Roberts and a guy that we had no idea who he was. So Adam Roberts is, uh, you know, uh, a legend, let's say in, in, in California. He, he, plays with he's played with everybody he's played with with Dahlhauser um he loves beach volleyball plays every tournament and so he was playing with a guy named you know now I know who he is but at the time we didn't know who he was Brian Cook so we knew uh, we knew all about Adam you know he's played on the AVP he's been to FIVB tournaments he's had a lot of success whatever and going into the game I'm like okay well we know who Adam is so we're not going to serve him because 
we know what you can do. Let's see who his partner is. Zero, zero, first ball. Jake serves this guy. Adam sets him. Josh, this guy detonated the biggest bomb I've ever seen in my entire life. If there was a peer at East Beach, he would have peer bounced it easily. <laughs> and we're like, what the hell? Did Jake and I didn't even react. We kind of like looked at each other, like covered our faces and just started laughing. We're like, what the hell? And Jake goes, through the net, he goes, well, sorry that happened, Adam. Looks like you're getting served every single ball for the rest of this game. <laughs> <laughs> so we served Adam Roberts every single ball after this game. And so after the game, we, we beat these guys. We beat these guys in, in, in three sets, I think. Um, and we're like, who the, heck? like, who the heck is this guy? And so I look up, I pull up Instagram. And I look up Brian Cook. What's the first thing that I see on his Instagram? It's a picture of this guy being a professional indoor volleyball player, high-fiving Irvin and Gapas. He <laughs> plays for Modena. He's the P2, starting P2 for Modena in Italy. He plays with, he's playing with uh, Ngapas and, and Bruno and LaRue or whoever the heck else is playing on that team. And we were like, oh, this makes sense. This guy, every time this guy was blocking, his pits were over the net. So that, that was pretty funny. That reaction, I'll never forget. And Jake just going, pointing at Adam and just being like, well, you're getting served every ball for the rest of this match. That was hilarious. Okay, and then another story is Jake and I played this uh, tournament in uh, Atlantic City. And a uh, big, big U.S. dollar prize money, 7000 for first place. So we're in the semifinals, and we're playing against Ed Ratledge and Eric Zahn who unfortunately is no longer with us, um, but he was an amazing uh, beach volleyball player and just a lovely guy to be around with, you know, full of amazing stories and and energy. And, uh, you know, sadly, he, he passed away. But again, full of full of energy and amazing stories and this is exactly what i'm going to tell you so so we were playing and i'm pretty sure it's the the semifinals. uh so they beat us in the first set ed ratledge and eric zahn they beat us in the first set and the second set i oh gosh i can't even tell you what happened but we we were we, we were we were steamrolling them 15-5 16-5 going into the technical timeout maybe they get a point and it's like 17 17 6 or something. Eric Zahn goes, That's it. That's it. Walks off the court. We're like, Huh? He literally walked off the court. He's like, That's it. We forfeit this set. We don't, I don't want it. I don't want this anymore. <laughs> and, and, and we were like, Huh? What's this guy doing? He left, man. He left. He, he left for 10 minutes. We're like, what the heck happened? Did we just win the set? Jake and I are freaking out. We're like, what just happened? And Jake's mom, Kelly, was like, what guy, guys, what's going on? So Eric's gone for like 10 minutes. He comes back to the court with like a Gatorade and a hot dog. <laughs> this guy's munching on a hot dog in between, forfeited the second set, I think. And, and comes back eating a hot dog and he goes, well, oh, sorry, boys, didn't. Didn't need any any more of that in my life. Didn't want, I didn't want anything to do with that set, to be honest. So 
grab the hot dog. So he's drinking a Gatorade, eating a hot dog full of mustard. It's like mustard's dripping onto our court, like into the sand and stuff. I'm like, what is happening? Like, so, so we're like, so are you guys still playing? Goes, he goes, hell yeah, we're playing, brother. I try, I'm trying to win that seven grand. I was like, okay, okay, let's do this. <laughs> so we start playing the third set, I guess. The score got reset to zero zero, and we side switched at every five. So we assumed we were in the third. And the score must have been like 9-2. And then he goes, all right, good job, you filthy Canadians. That's it. And we're like, huh? He goes, that's it. You guys win. It's done. This game's done. And that's it. He left. Him and Ed just cleared the court and just left. We're like, what just happened? What just happened? And five minutes later, we're like, I guess we're like going to report the score and and we see Ed and and Eric just chilling on a beach chair drinking Coronas with their huge group of fans from Atlantic City. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I'd be like you're you're winning and I'd be so rattled just by him doing this that I'm sure it would have folded him up it's like no get get back here no I win no you win like wh- why are you eating a hot dog now like I'd be so rattled about those current events happening I'd be like where are we right now <laughs> man it was it was incredible we we didn't know what the heck was happening but yeah that's those are two also pretty pretty funny and and kind of memorable stories that again I've I've had the the privilege of sharing with Jake so well, I do have one more story to bring up, and this this is for any new listeners, because if they were to go way back into our archives, Jake McNeil was nice enough to be like the, the first guest on the show. And he told an amazing one that you, Dallas Keith and Jasmine Call were in a car in Brazil. And I need you to confirm the details, because this was in the glory days of passing times where we could record in person. And I'm sitting on my couch recording with Jake and Dallas, like in tears laughing because I have Jake explaining how it was like you know this light situation it's like oh whatever like these guys have guns and dallas is like totally straight face being like no like you don't get it like best case scenario we get robbed like worst case scenario i'm dead like i thought we were gonna die so i want to know what was that brazil trip like to you and, and and just in your own words because i'm sure we've got a lot of new listeners from from those days what goes on in brazil oh, when four man. dudes are in a taxi dude you know there's a there's another story i'll tell you i'll tell you this story a different time but I'm I'm with Dallas on this one, and 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 that story they told you is a hundred percent accurate. Not not one detail is 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 a lie, man. We we were going into the middle of nowhere, a city called Miguel Pereira, and we landed at the airport in Rio, and you know we're splitting we were splitting an Uber or a taxi ride into Miguel Pereira, which was like an hour and twenty five minutes away, let's say, and. This place is in the middle of the mountains, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere. I'm telling you, at night, it's like negative degrees because it's so high up at such a high altitude. And during the day, it's like 26 degrees. It's unbelievable. So we're driving and there's this like checkpoint. And we're like, crap, like we don't speak Portuguese. Like the the, the, the the taxi driver doesn't know who we are, where he's taking us. He doesn't know where we're where, where you know, professional volleyball players going to compete at a, at a tournament and the military, it's like a military checkpoint or I don't even remember it. Like it, we, we, we think it was just four random dudes 
like it might have not even been a military checkpoint and these dudes like jake and dallas are telling you like they had guns <laughs> no like one like they had ak-47s guy had a shotgun and like i i swear one of the other guys had a sniper like it was just the biggest weapon i've ever seen and they, dude they put us up against the car and you know like when they search your body, like they typically do it with their hands. These guys were searching our bodies with guns. Like, I'm pretty sure that this guy was like tapping Dallas on like the butt cheeks and like under his armpits and stuff with his gun. <sighs> and like, man, we, we, we had cash on us. We had our passports on us. Like anything could have happened. Literally anything could have happened. Luckily, you know, we, we, we all had like our, our team Canada sweaters on or whatever, like a, a team Canada practice shirt on to have like the Canadian flag. And, you know, all of our bags were like team Canada beach volleyball stuff. And so uh, who the heck knows, maybe they knew where we were going and maybe they knew that like, if something happened, they would draw the attention to themselves. But we literally got pulled over by four random dudes who's, who, who's, who did not have a military car or anything along those lines, but they had like, uh, you know, the camo outfits, but random car in the middle of the road just stopped. It just, the car was just parked in the middle and the taxi driver had to stop or he was just going to ram straight into it. Obviously they, they pulled up to the, pulled the taxi driver to get us to get out and they searched everything. It, yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. I think how Dallas finished it is he said, because you're wearing Canada gear, uh, Yaz started pulling his shirt, being like volleyball, volleyball, and started signaling like he was like hand setting. And the guys are like, "Oh, like volleyball," and they're like Miguel Pereira. And all of a sudden, these guys went from like searching your stuff with guns and like pointing guns in your faces to like, "Oh, volleyball! Oh, awesome!" And all of a sudden, they were like super nice. <laughs> it was crazy. Like Yaz was totally cool under pressure. It, I, it was surprising. He, he he like was pointing to like the you know those red lululemon shirts that we have that that with our training shirts because they have a volleyball like the canada flag on them and i think he like had a ball and he was saying like oh, volley de praia volley de praia because that's how you say beach volleyball in portuguese and he was saying like uh you know uh, juego uh, miguel pereira or something which is like playing in miguel pereira and those guys i'm telling you I'm, uh, as i said as soon as they figured out who we were, they were just like, okay, like we can't do anything. We're going to draw attention to ourselves. And they were just like, that's it. These guys are amazing. And they started laughing and smiling and chatting. These, dude, these, they had another conversation with us for like five minutes before they let us go. <laughs> that's amazing. It was, un, it was unbelievable. Like we literally went from these guys could legitimately rob us slash just, I don't know. They, they couldn't, they, they could have just ended us right there to we're 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 laughing with these guys speaking three words in portuguese and these guys are just, just, just crying of laughter they couldn't believe it <laughs> that's amazing i think it's one of those things where it's not funny during but after i heard that story i'm laughing hysterically and dallas is just like no you don't get it man you don't get it like we we're getting robbed or dead <laughs> <laughs> that was Dallas is not exaggerating that man. It's it, it 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 was scary. I just remember when we saw what was happening. We were immediately like, "Oh, like this isn't good." It's like eleven p.m. at night in the middle of nowhere in Brazil in a random old taxi driver who like he can't hold his own. Like, oh man, 
yeah that was that was that was crazy <laughs> well man this is this has been great i'm glad uh you know i could catch up with you and you know put it on the internet like i said and, and you shared some amazing stories you'll, you'll have to come back on or you'll have to be a part of sharp cuts and we can get you and jake on the show together and tell some more amazing stories because you told some good ones but i have a feeling you haven't told all of them so we'll have to get you back on soon and it, it's great to hear that you're doing well and hopefully see you at a tournament this summer because i know you're training hard with my guy logan so yeah best of luck yeah. with everything you got going and, and glad i could catch up yeah, thanks, thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. And and uh, there's you know there's a large percentage of stories that uh, you haven't heard yet. So I'm sure if you get uh, a show featuring Jake and I, you can you can get a lot more out of us. And oh man, do we do we, ha- we have stories? We have stories for you. Um, and again, I'm super happy with uh, with you getting the coaching job with the Next Gen Group, and I'm super happy for you. I think you 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 really deserve it, and I think that. Uh, I think that we're ready as a country to kind of take that next step forward and, and continue to, to get, to get good results moving forward. So. Well, sweet, man. I appreciate you saying that. And yeah, I, I totally agree. I think we're, we're ready to take off and a lot of good things are coming down the road. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I, uh, I appreciate it. And as I said, uh, I would love to, I'd love to come back one time and, and maybe we'll do uh uh a duo with uh mcneil berlaku it's what the people want you know (laughs) (laughs) you gotta give them gotta give them what they want